Now, for the information of all hands. Welcome to our very first episode of the 1MC with our 13th Master Chief Petty Officer of the Coast Guard, Jason Vanner Hayden, addressing real Coast Guard issues. I am your host, Chief Crystalyn Neen, and before we introduce our very prestigious guest, Master Chief, I'm hoping you could give the audience a little insight on why you wanted to create the 1MC and why having this podcast is important. Thank you, Chief. Podcasts have, have really evolved, and, and it's a great way to communicate with the workforce. Uh, I, don't, I, I try to get out and visit as many people as I can, but it's difficult, and, and sometimes uh, it's more convenient for them to hear the message from the Coast Guard as they're driving or flying or traveling, and you know, at their convenience, maybe they download this before they get underway. Uh, it's just a great way to talk to the issues of the Coast Guard and, and things that I see that I think that the workforce needs to know about, uh, and you know, we, just, we just do a great job of, of Tech, using technology these days to communicate. It's also an opportunity to drive people to my Coast Guard. I really want people to go to my Coast Guard and uh, to, to have that app and to use the my Coast Guard app as their uh, primary means to find Coast Guard information. So I'm, I'm excited. And then we get to talk to some really cool people, like today. We get to talk to a <laughs> yes, really cool do. person today. We definitely do. Well, thank you, Master Chief. I know you wanted our first episode to speak to the importance of resiliency in our workforce, and there's not a better person to have that conversation with than our 31st Vice Commandant of the Coast Guard, Admiral Charles Ray. Welcome, Admiral. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Chief. It's my pleasure to be here. Awesome. Okay, well, let's dive into our topic of resiliency. I'll turn it over to you, Master Chief. Thank you. Thank you, Chief. So it's my honor to have our Vice Commandant, Admiral Charles Ray, with us to talk about resiliency. And I thought uh, with his distinguished career, his, his you know, vast experience and, and, and various and, and a broad range of leadership positions, not just in aviation, but you know, leading the entire workforce, this is a great opportunity to digitally capture <laughs> some words of wisdom that we can, we can uh pass on and we'll, we'll stay with us for, you know, we'll be able to re reference this forever. Admiral Ray is going to retire. We're going to celebrate his career and, and his retirement in a couple months. And so I really wanted to, to ask him to be our first guest so we could uh, talk about, you know, how to have a successful career, how to bounce back for some troubles. And, you know, really that's what resilience is all about is, you know, your ability to not, it's not what happens to you. It's how you deal with what's ha what happens to you. And, uh, um, you know, when somebody has got as much experience and, and has witnessed, you know, from all sides of situations uh, uh, as, as Admiral Ray does, I'm just grateful to have him here with us today to, to talk about some things. So, Admiral, welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Master Chief. It's my pleasure to be here with you. And, it, and it's it's cool for me to be like the first one on the 1MC. I love that. Everybody knows what 1MC is, so I'm <laughs> cool to see. I'm really excited to see where this goes. In the cockpit, they, they call it the, is it the end? What do they call it? ICS. ICS. So perhaps we could have gone, if I was an aviator, we maybe we would have called it uh, ICS. I think everybody knows what 1MC yes, is. Sir. That's good enough. Yes, yeah. Okay. So, um, you, you know, COVID has highlighted the importance of resiliency. Nobody could have predicted a, a pandemic, but even before COVID, you know, we had the, the temporary lapse in appropriations that, that created some anxiety in the workforce about our, our, our payment, uh, you know, being paid and our ability to continue to operate and maintain our, our, uh, our assets. So um, 
throughout our time together as we came into this job, we've had some <laughs> some events that have have uh, really made us reflect on on our resiliency. And there's been we've grown leaps and bounds in terms of you, you know our ability to provide support to the workforce. And and uh, but at the end of the day, it starts with individual you know an in, individual resiliency. And if I could, um, you know, when you joined the Coast Guard. Uh, when you went to the, I say joined, when you, when you went to the academy, uh, and then after you graduated from academy, you were uh, f- from Arkansas. And uh, there's not a lot of Coast Guard officers serving in Arkansas or around Arkansas. Uh, maybe if you had gotten lucky and got stationed in Memphis, maybe that would have been not too far. But, you know, when folks join the Coast Guard and they're making that, that break, you know, kind of separating from their family and getting out to their new units, how did you... Your first unit was on a Kushnet, and uh, a Kushnet was in, where was a Kushnet? Uh, she was home board in Gulfport, Mississippi. Okay, Gulfport. So not terribly far from Arkansas, but at the same time, you get to your first unit. How did you break in at your first unit as a deck watch officer? Uh, how, did, how did you handle that first kind of getting there and getting, you know, lots of expected of a junior officer uh, when they arrive at their unit, and also junior enlisted when they get there now? How did you handle that? Well, uh, I had a lot of help. I had great shipmates, <laughs> great leadership, and uh, really great shipmates. One of my primary, uh, the guy that came on board with me was an officer candidate school graduate, a guy named Sam Jeffries, who had been a BM1 in the Coast Guard. And before that, he'd been a bosom mate in the Navy. So this guy had a lot of experience, real salty. And, and Sam and I came aboard as new ensigns, and he was anything but new. But I'll tell you, he really... Uh, there I was, green as the grass, and, and Sam t- literally kind of took me under his wing and kind of showed me the ropes, and, and then you just had to work hard. You know, there's a lot to learn, a lot to do, and it, it kind of started before I got to the ship. My XO called me, my XO guy named Joe Angelico, who I still keep in contact with this day, and he called me because you're supposed to get 30 days leave when you leave the academy. That's kind of a special leave that you get. He called me and said, hey, Charlie, uh, we're getting underway about two weeks after you graduate. He said, you don't have to come here, but I highly recommend it. <laughs> and so I kind of had to make a call then, and, uh, and I did. And it really turned out to be the best because getting qualified is, is really the coin. I mean, that's really what you want to do as a young Coastie. And we preach this all the time. I was just a mentor to a recruit company a few weeks ago. Getting qualified, turning yourself from a liability into an asset for that unit. And once you get qualified, you're an asset. So that's kind of what I was all about in a cushion. And I had a lot of help. I mean, I still, Senior Chief Joe Livingston was uh, Senior Chief ET on board. And uh, I thank him and what he did. Uh, and there were several others. I can name a lot of folks. But anyway, I had a lot of help. You got to be willing to take help. And, uh, and uh, folks will give it to you. I, I, I think you hit on a key point and something that, you know, when, when people are having trouble uh, it's because oftentimes they don't have that help. They don't have a ship. They don't have that core group of shipmates or somebody that they can, they can, they can reach out to, uh, to ask questions of or to just say, hey, this is happening to me. Is it, does it seem right to you? I'm excited about this new mentoring app and the ability to, to for folks to sign up to get a mentor to to help coach them. I, you know, we used to have the the first 72 hours, so that was like, so you got a sponsor and. And, and we really talked to our folks uh, that, that were receiving new people to say, hey, make sure you take care of folks that are 72 hours. So um, ship, having a shipmate um, and somebody, even if it's one person, to call, to talk to, 
to, to, to help get you through the tough time or maybe to call somebody else to say, hey, I think somebody needs to go check on or this person. So I, I agree with you. I, I think uh, uh, I was, I was a, a, a country kid from North Florida that had never seen snow before. And I got stationed in Long Island, New York. I might as well have been in Ma- on Mars. I I, I didn't I, I didn't know much about the New York. I didn't know much about that that culture. I'd not ever been really exposed to uh, a different way of talking to people or treat people. And it was just a yeah. I tell you, it was a eye opening to me. And I learned a lot the the hard way. Uh, and I didn't have you know at that time they did district assignments. So assignment officers were at the district offices. And so you didn't, if you, once you got in the first district, you pretty much didn't leave the first district. And uh, so all those folks there that I was with pretty much had been in the first district a long time. And I I had a hard time relating to those folks. I had a hard time getting started. And uh, if it wasn't for some really great reservists that drilled on the weekends, it would come in and take me into their wing and kind of you know, help me out. Uh, and I, I'll, I'll admit I didn't help myself all that much either, but I, I, I it was, uh, having that good shipmate at your first unit or, or connecting with shipmates is critical. Um, and I, and, and I, I want to thank you for your support of the mentoring program. Uh, you know, that there's a cost to that. And, uh, we, we realize the importance of it and we prioritize that and thank you for your support to that. Um, so you go to flight school and then you graduate from flight school. What was your first air station? Air station Savannah, Georgia. Nice. Nice. How was that? Oh, it was awesome. And as soon as I got there, within a few weeks, I got to go on deployment down south. So I was uh, deployed on board uh, Coast Guard Cutter Hamilton and uh, we were doing a Haitian patrol. So I kind of jumped off the deep end with regards to operations at an air station and, and I just loved it. And once again, it was uh, uh, folks that help you along the way. You know, that, that's, uh, they'll, they'll kind of shape you up. And, and aviation, you know, is, is as far as an operational skill set, like a lot of other operational skill sets in the Coast Guard, you know, you need somebody to kind of, you can read the books, you can do that, but you need somebody to kind of show you the way. And so uh, I had a lot of help my first uh, couple of years there. And, and the other thing, speaking about mentors and kind of things that make you stronger as a Coastie and things that help you, Sometimes people are always looking up for the mentors. I found some of my best ones were sideways and and folks that I serve with. You know, I think of a, a person that uh, Bobby Jameson, who became a chief about the time I became a JG, and he showed me about aviation maintenance and he kind of showed me the right way to go and showed me how to do things right and how to do things wrong or what was wrong. He didn't show me how to do things wrong, but he told me what was wrong. And to this day, we're great friends. He retired as a master chief, and uh, but my point is, is that. If you show up at a unit and you're willing to learn, somebody's going to step up and help you generally. Yeah. And that's what I found throughout my career. Well, that's that, so it, we, you, you get to Savannah and then you meet Mrs. Ray, I, mm-hmm. I, I believe. You know, you're, you're deploying, you're flying, you're standing duty, you're doing all those things. And then we're asking somebody to kind of sign up for something that they, you're going to be gone a lot of the time. Yep. Or you're going to be, um, was there, was there, do you have, how, you know, obviously it was a tremendous, it was a match made in heaven because you guys are still very strong and and but how just being obviously you're you're a pretty cool guy and 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 probably uh it wasn't difficult for for her to uh 
to see that and then want to stay with you. But is there, you, you know, when you see junior members and they're trying to work, you know, spouses and relationships, any advice for, you know? Uh, you know, Mr. Chief, I think, I mean, obviously you, you and Amy have been together a yeah. long time and Don and I have. I think that's one of the key success factors for service members is that critical choice you make when you're young uh, in terms of who you're going to spend your life with. It's yeah. just, it's critical. It, it and, and Donna, I'll tell you, I'll give her uh, the lion's share of the credit because you know how it is. I'm never on time. I never showed up for parties, never showed up for this. I always had things to do. And she knew that I had to do my Coast Guard duty. She just knew it. It was just the way it was. And couldn't plan around my schedule because my schedule always changed. And and she supported that. And I mean, obviously, it hadn't all been sunshine and birthday cake. But my point is, is that she supported. She knew that's that's She knew that going into it. Going into the, the you know her lifelong assignment, uh, she kind of knew that it supported me, and and really been a help too because she's the only one that truly can give you this unvarnished kind of assessment, uh, you know, and tell me when I'm full of baloney or tell me when I need to straighten up and fly right. And she was so in addition to supporting when I had to serve, when I had to go on duty, when I had to work, when I had to deploy, and all those things that we all do, everybody does them. Uh, she was also a, a source of truth for me and continues to this day to tell me, you know, when I need to straighten up and fly right and pay attention or maybe I shouldn't do this or I should do that. And uh, it's just been a great. So I think that choice and some of it's by luck. You know, when you're young, you can't foresee everything. But we had the same basic values, the same basic. We kind of both come from the same area. We kind of understand each other. And uh, certainly, you know, uh, we fell in love, of course, but. A lot of people fall in love and don't stay in love because they don't understand what the requirements are right. of the chosen profession. And I didn't want for sure I was going to stay in the Coast Guard forever. Yeah. But she was in for a little and in for a lot. And so that really made a big difference. I tell you, I would not be here today without Amy. Yeah. I, I absolutely would not. She is, uh, I, I think our families um, provide that some of that resilience piece too when you, uh, when you have a tough day at work and you can go home and you have somebody that loves you, that cares about you, that will listen to you and talk to you, that, that, that will help you get through the tough times. And, uh, and then, it, you know, it gives you some incentive to try to continue to move up, to advance, to do better so that you can provide better always. And I, I think that's a, our families do a lot. We used to say we recruit Coasties, but we retain families because we really, as a Coast Guard, try to take care of our families. And I, there's a lot of resources for our families that, that the Coast Guard provides. And uh, I, I think families, you, you know, it's it's not always easy. I, mine wasn't always sunshine and birthday cake either. We worked through some tough times. and But at the end of the day, I knew that I needed her. I was not going to be successful without her, and I knew that that she was going to help me go, you know, go farther than I could go on my own. I, uh, I appreciate that your your insight on that. Speaking of you know coming home and commiserating, sometimes uh, I know as ma- as many places that you've worked and as many people that you've worked for, we've we've had some difficult supervisors. I think when I travel around and I talk to folks, one of the things that is is, is tough. Uh, people is when they have a supervisor that's difficult to work for. And, uh, you know, people say they join the Coast Guard for the missions, they stay with the Coast Guard because of the people, but they also leave the Coast Guard because of, right. because of some of the people. How have how you, you obviously not left, you figured out a way to kind of make it work with, with you know, 
if you if I, I suppose it probably stands chance that you had one diff- at least one difficult supervisor. How did you how did you kind of handle that? You know, did you did you engage him? Did you not engage him? Did you just kind of compartmentalize and say, you know, I'm gonna not let this person affect me? Or how did you handle the? Uh, I think there's a bunch of different ways, Master Chief. But so as I play back in my head, the various. First of all, sometimes you gotta look at yourself. Yes. Sometimes if you got a, a difficult supervisor, difficult boss, maybe because you're being difficult, and that happened to me when I was a junior officer. I had, I had a change of XO, and and I thought the new XO was just didn't get it, did not, and it wasn't until a couple of months later my CO pulled me aside, who I, I just thought the world of. I mean, uh, and he said, Charlie, you know all that stuff the XO's telling you. That you're kind of, and he could tell I was kind of breaking bad on the guy, you know. And he said, he said that's me. You need to do that. I'm like, okay, Captain. You know, and I straightened up. My point is, you got to look at yourself, and and sometimes, and that's so. Always look at yourself. What can I do better? And then I think the other thing is, um, uh, it, you know, you can you can look for ways of just trying. Okay, my attitude. I control my attitude. Mm-hmm. I can have bad bosses. I can have hard jobs. I can have bad weather. I can have all that. But I control my attitude. So approaching everything with the right attitude, I think, is uh, is very helpful. And then, as you said, Master Chief, this too shall pass. We wear this uniform. Uh, the average time is a couple of years with the same supervisor. And, you know, I mean, we're not going to tolerate for a couple of years anybody doing anything unethical or immoral. But just assuming you just don't. You're not gelling. That's okay, you know. Uh, I agree. I, I tell people that, you know, that's the beauty of the Coast Guard. Sometimes is that you're not stuck with the same supervisor in the civilian world. You might be stuck with the same supervisor for years and years, and you, you won't be able to unless you leave the company. You won't be able to get away from it. In the Coast Guard, I'd be surprised if somebody got stuck with a bad supervisor for more than two or three years, yep. and, and and that sounds like a long time, but at the end of the day, it's probably you know you can you start to figure it out, you know, you start to figure out how to get through it. So I find that when I talk to folks, sometimes they just, six months seems like an eternity, you know, and, and it's really not. And if you can get your mind wrapped around the fact that, that, it, it, you know, just like anything, it, it'll change over time and, and typically gets better. Uh, I, 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 that's what I ask people to do is just work through it. Try to, try to do the best you can. And we'll get back to attitude in a, in a little bit. Um, but, you know, when you get a bad supervisor, perhaps you can find somebody else in the command that you get along with that you can just kind of talk to, commiserate, have a shipmate that you can just kind of vent to and things like that. I've been impressed with the way we're growing our leaders. And, uh, and I think that leadership is going to be critical as we move forward in the Coast Guard to retaining our workforce. And, I, and I'm optimistic that we're, the investments that we're making in our, leadership, in our leaders is going to pay off big time for us. One thing, if people may or may not know this about you, but I do, is that you take care of yourself. You always make time for exercise. You always make time to, to make sure that you're you know, keeping yourself fit and, and in shape. And I think a lot of times that is critical to resilience. It's a, you know, if, if you're having a, a lot of anxiety about some, something else, uh, finances or, or perhaps being away from home or, or whatever, Burning some calories, getting out and exercising a little bit is a very healthy way to kind of reduce some of that stress. And it's amazing to me how you you're, you make a commitment to that. What's your thought process 
in terms of I am not I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to make time for the gym even though you're as busy as you are. What what do you tell yourself? Well, it, it it's become over the years, as you said, Mass Chief. It's become over the years. You know, the same to me as eating and drinking water. You know, it's just part of your it's part of your program. You know, if you don't if you are getting sleep and all that, if you don't. It'd be like me skipping three meals if I skipped the gym. That's just a part of life. And so, you know, you start when you're young playing sports and stuff like that, like a lot of young people do. But I figured out after I started getting that if I didn't break a sweat and didn't get out, and, and plus it's a good way to take your mind off what you for me anyway. I don't, when I'm at the gym, I'm not pondering a lot of work stuff. Right. I'm thinking about other things. It distracts me, it gets me going somewhere else when I'm, now when I'm running, sometimes that's when I have my best work thoughts, but that's a different <laughs> deal. But, my point is, is that, so it was important. I figured out pretty early, I felt better when I did it. Right. Now, when you're younger, you have more discretionary time. You may not think you do, but you got a lot more time when you're more junior. The more senior I got, I was like, man, this is hard. Because I don't, you know, deciding to go to the gym at, at 1700, I'm at 1700, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. So what I had to start doing, I started this about 20 years ago, literally. I start going first thing in the morning. So wherever I was, find the gym, 10, Whatever, you know, 05, 05, 06, whatever, depending on what the unit I was at. And you get that done, you get that knocked out, and then the rest of the day, you don't have to worry about it. So that became kind of part of the habit pattern. And it just, I don't know, it's, it's I don't know, it just, I think if I don't do it, I feel kind of sluggish during the day if I don't have that. You get to, and I don't know all the physiology associated with it, I'm not into all that. But I just know if I exercise in the morning, I'm, I've got more spring in my step and ready to go. Yeah, I, I, I agree, and, and uh, I worked for Admiral Taylor uh, in D13, and he used to talk about, and Admiral Hickey as well, when he was at, so in the budget office, you know, those people, for those of you on, listening to the podcast, if you don't know, the folks that work in our budget office, the eight, eight, two, they work hard. They work long hours. There's a lot of work there, but they make t- they usually have some sort of group exercise, or they make time to because they recognize that, Physical fitness and getting out and exercising will help you clear your mind. It'll help you. It gives you energy throughout the day. Doesn't take it away. So for for all of you out there listening, if you you know Admiral Ray has been in the Coast Guard quite some time, but he still finds time to work out. And he and I, I can tell you, it's a it's a it's a key factor in your success is staying fit, staying fit and and exercising, so that if you do have something that happens to you. You can bounce back from it. You can you, your your body is in a position in a place where it, it, it can heal itself or take care of you. It, it, it'll 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 re, you'll be able to recover faster. So uh, physical fitness, I can't stress it enough. It's very very important. So I, I want to kind of shift topics a little bit. One of the biggest things that causes people anxiety and families anxiety is transfer season. Is we're we're headed into transfer season right now. Uh, most everybody's got their orders probably, but they're starting to work through their move, their household goods, setting that up and figuring out how they're going to get uh, to their next duty station. When we were in Hawaii together, you said something to me. I was waiting. I was uh, leaving base Honolulu, and I didn't know where I was going yet. I, I, I knew I was probably going to get a command master chief job, but I didn't know where I was going. And I was, I was man, I had a lot of anxiety. And uh, uh and I, and I only had a handful of choices, but I still had anxiety about it. And I asked you, I said, how do you, how do you ha- handle assignments? And don't you get, don't you get anxiety about, 
you know, where you're going to go. And you, you told me no. You said you, you gave me an interesting insight. I'm not going to answer the question for you because I'd like to get your take on how you've, you've, you've moved many, many times in the Coast Guard and you've received orders and been waiting on orders and kind of worked through a lot of assignments. How did you, what was your philosophy? How did you think about the assignment process and, and, and how did you handle the anxiety that a lot of folks feel in the assignment process? Well, I think I, I learned uh, pretty early on that it's, you know, the, the geographic location, the type of unit and all that, that's important. But what's really important are the people there. And, and all you need is one or two people that you know. And if you've been in the Coast Guard more than a couple of days, you'll know one or two people everywhere you go. And, and so I just found that that was just always there. And there's good things about every place you go in the Coast Guard. There's just So I, I, I kind of just said, well, I put my input in. I tell the assignment officer what I want. And then I just stand back, and, you know, and see what happens. And, and, and don't, you know, I, I try to worry about things I can do something about. And that's not something I can do a lot about. <laughs> so I just go where they send me. And, and once this goes back to the, you know, the, the, the having the support of family as well. I give Donna a lot of credit. She didn't have any like, oh, I'll never go there. I'll never go there. She just, she was in, in for the deal too. And that made it super helpful. Now, did she like ever we went? Is, did she like smile all the way there? No, there was a lot of crying and all that, but it all worked out. And so I just, I don't, it's been a long time since I worried about an assignment. Yeah. Uh, I just I found that uh, you know it's the important thing is the people when you get there, and the the teamwork and the camaraderie and that just makes every place good. You can be in Adak, Alaska, you know, blowing sideways fifty knots, and if you got the right folks you're serving with, it's as fun as Pensacola, Florida. Yes, I'll tell you, there's a couple of assignments I had that I went kicking and screaming, and then I got there, and it was awesome. It was it was good. It's it, it's about you know, trying to find the good. I, I, I think what you hit on there was was an op, an optimism that it's gonna everything's gonna be okay. I think if, if we can encourage folks to go into the assignment with an open mind, go in with an uh, you know be optimistic that it's going to be okay, as opposed to being pessimistic that I didn't get what I really wanted. And you know, I think you'll find that when you get to the unit and you have a good attitude, this goes back to circling back to the attitude. When you have a good attitude, it'll take you a long way. Uh, but if, you, if you're mad or you feel like you got cheated out of a, the assignment that you should have got that instead of somebody else, uh, it, it makes it that much tougher. So, um, yeah, I, I never thought in a million years I'd end up in Port Angeles, Washington. But it's a beautiful place, and I had a good time, and I was a good, good learned a lot on the ship that I was on. Um, and then... You know, some places you go is what you really want, and you get there, and you're like, ah, oh, it's not as good as I thought it was going to be. Right. So, um, you know, just, you know, part of resilience is attitude, optimism, realize that there's no bad units in the Coast Guard. Every unit in the Coast Guard has the potential to be a fantastic, great unit. It's what you, how you interact and how you handle it and the people that are there that make the difference, you know. Don't let assignments get you down or give you too much anxiety because it, it, we lose people to assignments. There's people that, uh, you know, the detailer calls them up and they say, no, I'm going to separate instead of going to that unit. And I always scratch my head and say, you, you know, unless you unless this is like your second or third time being there and you just know you don't want to be there, how do you know? But I, I think uh, assignments play give people a lot of anxiety and there's uh, there's an opportunity there to think about your attitude.
I remember you said, I don't worry about that, Master Chief. I just go where they send me to go, and I'll make the best of it when I get there. And I just thought, man, that is the way to handle assignments. That is just neat. So another thing that gives folks some anxiety and and we need to be resilient to is is, uh, if you get in trouble. There's, uh, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll do something and we'll get in trouble and uh, we get disciplined. And sometimes, sometimes that can really weigh on people and, and it creates a lot of anxiety in, in somebody. And I know you've probably had to discipline some people and you've probably observed how people handle different discipline issues. I've been disciplined myself. I was not no saint coming up. I, I just happened to learn from my discipline. So you've seen people that probably bounce back well from being disciplined and then some folks that didn't what what do you think that any advice on how folks can bounce back if they've had a discipline issue well uh, yeah i mean i I think if if people just own it you know i think that's the first thing if you if you and i'm just thinking i just got an email from a guy the other day that i disciplined when he was a third class petty officer (laughs) and he just retired he wants me to write him a letter and i'm going to for his post-retirement job and uh my point is, he owned it. He just, you know, he owned it, and uh, he made a mistake, and, and we both knew it, and I couldn't let it walk past it. It just wouldn't have been tolerable. Uh, and so uh, I think as a leader, as a supervisor, you got to be real careful. Don't make these things personal. You know, it's their standards. People don't make the standards. Don't stay to the standards, and then they, there's, re- there's consequences. That's kind of my responsibility as a leader. Don't make it personal. Don't attack the person as individual and all that. And sometimes people do that. And if you're an individual that made a mistake, you just got to own it. Say, you know, I made a mistake. I'll do better. I'll learn from it. And that's the best you can do. Yeah. Uh, some things, uh, most things in the Coast Guard, you can recover from. Most things. If you just, if you, uh, and but what I've found is where people get, where they get caught up and, and, and this spirals is when they start making alibis and they start and they don't, you know, not, it wasn't just me, it was her too, and it was him too. And, you know, people start making alibis and just own it. I mean, we all make mistakes. Right. And and just fess up to it and learn from it and drive on. That's all you can do. And as supervisors, it's our responsibility. I mean, the core value issues are one thing that, that we really got to be careful with, with how, how long we retain a person that has demonstrated they don't bind our core values. But just... Stuff where people make mistakes and they break the rules and they step over the line, that's that's being human. And so we got to give them a little running room there, especially if they're young. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, when I was younger, I made some mistakes. I learned from each one of them. And then I went and then I said, I'm never doing that. And, and I, that's not me. And I'm going to I'm going to do better. I think you can learn more from a person that makes a mistake and how they recover from that than somebody that never makes a mistake. Right. Well, I know when I sit for boards and panels, if somebody's made a mistake in their record, but you can clearly see that their performance, you know, changed dramatically to the positive after that mistake, you know that that, that you can kind of judge the character a little bit yep. of that person. So I, w- I always tell people it's not what happens to you, it's what you do about what happens to you and how you react to it that will help you recover. And, and I, I fully believe that somebody that, makes a mistake and recovers from it it just shows a lot of character from so i appreciate you sharing that uh that that story with uh with that person because clearly you you've tracked them there they they uh, there's been more than one of them yeah and it just depends on how you deliver it you yeah. gotta 
And I haven't always been right. Mass Chief Jameson, I'll tell you. Once upon a time, you know, the prescribed method of, of uh, that whole idea of praise in public and, and chastise in private, that wasn't really the way we used to do it back a few years ago. And uh, this young fellow, I'll never forget, he, he did something which he needed to chew out, but not in front of everybody. And, uh, and, but I did. And so I made that mistake. And, uh, and I remember Master Chief Jameson, at that time, Chief Jameson pulled me aside and he said, you know, what he did was wrong. But you didn't have to call him out in front of everybody. Like that. <laughs> There's probably a better way to do that, and I've never forgotten that. Yeah. That was 35 years ago. Yeah. So, one thing that everybody loves about you, and uh, is that you are very even keeled. You're, you're. I've never seen you get really upset about something. I've never seen you get overly excited about something, and you're very consistent uh, with with the way you talk to people and it doesn't matter what pay grade they are they could be an e2 or an 09 and you're taught you you treat everybody very well and the same that's not by accident how how do you do that it's got to be conscious what's your thought process uh as you do handle stressful situations and in your interaction with people well, I think uh, there's a couple things there, Mass Chief, that you mentioned. One with regards to uh, how you treat folks. I mean, that's just that's just kind of how I was raised, you know. Everybody it doesn't matter if it's a guy out here digging the ditch or the guy working at the bank. It doesn't matter. They both have value, and they both, uh, uh, you know, they you, you kind of got to respect them for what they do and and meet them where they are. And that's probably just I don't know. That's just how I was raised. And I found that to be the case in the Coast Guard. Some of the best ideals, the smartest people, often are the more junior people. And if you take time to listen to them, you'll learn a lot. So anyway, that's kind of how I like to go about it. Uh, but with regards to kind of staying even keel, I think, you know, uh, some of that comes with experience. You know, you kind of seen these things before, and uh, it's never as bad as it seems sometimes, you know. And so you kind of have to just pause and take a deep breath. Rarely does getting worked up about something helps solve it. Uh, more often than not, if you just kind of hold what you got, listen to everybody and try to, what I've always tried to do is kind of get down to what is the issue that is causing the challenge. There's a bunch of noise and, and, and things around anytime whenever there's friction. And, but if you look, usually there's one or two things that we got to figure out. And if you can kind of listen and pay attention and get down those one or two things, then you're making progress hollering and carrying on and wringing your hands and getting shook up, that doesn't help much most of the time. And it, even uh, for dramatic effect, it doesn't help much. Every now and then, you know, uh, every now and then raising your voice is appropriate, but not very often. So I think you hit on a, on a key point there that sometimes uh, in the fog of the situation, you, 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 you kind of lose sight of it, and that is a situation as rarely is as bad as it seems. Right. And I think sometimes we think this is this is terrible. This is this is going to be oh my gosh, this is, and it's and it's rarely that. Uh, and I, I think that it's important as we think about resilience and we think about our ability to, to bounce back from something, keep things in perspective. Never recognize that it's probably not as bad as you as you think it's going to be. And getting upset can definitely make it worse and probably will not make it better. But I I, I do want to compliment you that it, it, publicly in this forum that you really 
treat everybody extremely well. You you listen very well, and you uh, it's evident how much you care about people. I think as leaders, developing that care and concern for your people, and and putting your people first, really. Uh, will help you because when you're having a bad day, your people will pick you up. They will take care of you. And I see that, you know, I, I wouldn't know if you were having a bad day because you're always great. <laughs> you're always good. But I can tell you that, you, you know, for you uh, uh, in particular, as a role model for, for the rest of the Coast Guard as a vice commandant, you, you, do, you definitely show how leadership should handle difficult and stressful situations in Europe, to me, a model of resiliency in many, many ways. You know, one of the, one of the things that we also, you hit on too, is finding out what the real issue is in a situation. You know, oftentimes things manifest themselves as a problem, but that's not the real problem. Do you, do you have a, a technique that you kind of Used to break down a situation to find out what what really is the root of the the, the issue. I mean, you're an engineer by trade, so you well, probably think. Well, you know. I, you know, I don't know. I think, I, and that's what I. T- I was just talking to some. Um, well, I was talking to some flag officers a couple of days ago, and I was talking to some other. I was talking to some prospective commanding officers. I think one of the things I've learned over the last few years is really working hard to ask the right questions. It's that I mean, just working hard to understand enough to ask the right questions. And usually, when I don't get the answer, my initial thing when I feed back to people is I didn't ask the right question. So I need to ask the right question. And if you ask the right question as a leader, rather than just jumping in there, I see people that think that as leaders they need to solve the problem. It's a human kind of tendency. You know, we're all in the Coast Guard, we're kind of hard charging, and sometimes you do have to solve the problem. But a lot of times, if you just ask the right questions, folks will solve it themselves. They'll figure out what the issue is and what they're trying to get at. And then everybody's a winner. They fixed it. And uh, and uh, anyway, that's kind of what I try and spend a lot of time. When I have stuff like stuff here in the headquarters is, you know, is a unique thing. But anyway, that's the way I do it. I get this stuff to read about what I'm going to have a meeting about tomorrow. And I look in there and I'm like, man, and I try and figure out the right question to ask. And I find that's, that's very helpful. Uh, I think uh, out in the field... When it comes to trying to solve things, especially if you get brought in uh, to a situation and you're the senior person, they're going to look to you for some advice. So you got to be listening. And, and it may not just be listening to the loudest duck. you got to look for the person that's not talking and get them to and, and pull on what they're saying or make them give their perspective. And you'll use them generally get to the, the root of the issue there, in my opinion. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that philosophy of asking the right question because that means you're a good listener that means that you want to you want to engage people and and a lot of times uh i find that the, the, the supervisors that i didn't really enjoy working for never really asked me any questions because they they didn't really want my opinion they they just wanted to, me to step it just do what i tell you to do which is you know in the coast guard we have a lot of really bright people and you know, if you give them a chance, they'll probably, you know, teach you as much as you can. As you, as you teach right. them. If you ask the right questions, I, I really, uh, I love that. So, you know, we've, uh, you know, we've been talking about resiliency, but I don't really, I didn't really, resiliency can look like a lot of things. And I didn't really want to uh, try to pick each individual aspect of what, 
somebody might be resilient for, it's like trying to define readiness. Well, what are you ready for? Well, you know, it just depends. It could be anything. So, but over, overarching um, resiliency in your mind, if you had somebody, if you had advice to, for an E4 or an E5 or an O2 or an O3 that wants to make the Coast Guard a career, but maybe is having a tough time or is concerned about you know, their ability to bounce back from a, from a difficult situation. Do you have just kind of some broad guidance on how to take care of yourself and what you can do to make yourself resilient, you know, for, in, instead of just like saying, well, save money. Okay, yeah, I got it. We can save money or go to the gym. Okay, I got that. But, but just in general to be successful. Well, I think, um, uh, you know, one of the things is, or not one. For me, it's kind of the, you got to kind of look look down the road a little bit, and you, and you think ahead, and you try to prepare for that. I mean, I think that's what we always got to do. We learn that in Coast Guard operations. You're always, what's the next thing that's going to happen? What's the next thing that I need to be thinking about? You're not just dealing with the here and now. And if you adopt that with how you go about your business, and you adopt it with your family as well, and you say, okay, I think we're going here, and so we should probably start saving towards this or. You know, or I think, you know, this child has got this challenge or whatever we should start. You kind of think ahead and look ahead as best you can and, and do kind of plan for contingencies as best you can. And then when it comes to yourself, uh, one of the things I've found that the most resilient people are people that are able to compartmentalize. So I could have a lot of stuff going on at home, and I need to be working on that, and I will work on that, and I do work on that. But then when I get to work, I need to be focused on what I'm doing here. I can't let that that bleed over. Uh, if I need help, I'm not saying don't seek help. You know, we've got help for people that that are having a crisis in their life. I'm not saying, but everybody has friction. Everybody has things that pop up. Everybody has things that don't go as they planned, whether at work or at home. And you got to be able to compartmentalize. I found that's uh, one of the best things that uh, has helped me. What I'm doing is what I'm doing, and I focus on what I'm doing. And then, you know, when I'm doing something else and I'm doing something else. or So try to, uh, I think if you compartmentalize, that allow you to keep driving on even when times are hard, if you just do that. And, and then once again, kind of looking and putting it in perspective, uh, just about, you know, there's a, there's a verse in the Bible that, that, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. What you're going through, probably somebody else has gone through, putting things in perspective. I love it. Having a vision of where you want to go will get you through the tough times. Right. Brilliant, brilliant advice. Living life on purpose and, but, and having a flexible plan. That's great. I, I, Amy used to tell, you know, I'd come home and bring my troubles home and Amy would say, hey, uh, you know what? Uh, if there's something I can help you with, I'm happy to help you with it. But if you're just going to dump all your issues on me, let's try to leave those at work. And um, <laughs> that, was, that was good, good advice. Well, Admiral, I want to thank you very, very much for your time, sharing your thoughts. Congratulations. I, I, I won't, I, obviously, I'll be at your retirement, but, you know, in this forum on the 1MC, I want to use the 1MC to personally congratulate you on an amazing career. You've had an extremely positive effect on many, many, many people. You still have, as you mentioned earlier, you still are in contact with people that you worked with a long time ago. And I just, you know, we love you, and we, 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 you've gotten us through some really tough times. You've been a tremendous leader. I mean, you were in Iraq. You served in Iraq. You, you during conflict. You, and and you've served, you know, as DCO and and 
vice commandant and, and you know among other commands and then you were the gold ancient albatross so you really took the mantle from uh, Admiral Korn and and just continue to focus on safety and focus on aviation professionalism and you you've just done an amazing job there so using the one MC to announce to the to the to the crew thank you thank you Admiral for all your hard work and appreciate it and if you had some closing remarks for the workforce. Well, it's uh, thanks, Mass Chief. And I, I do like the, this topical kind of discussion, and, and I hope this podcast gets traction and uh, with the workforce because everybody, we all go through challenges, you know, and everybody's, nobody's, uh, every day's not a, not a happy day. And so you just got to weather the storm and get through it. The bottom line is there's folks in the Coast Guard that'll help you if you'll let them. Uh, no person's an island in the Coast Guard. And uh, and then you know and, and it, because of the quality of the people we have in the service, uh, I think you know, I really do believe there's there's uh, there's tremendous value in the commandant's word that he coined, you know, stronger together. That's what gets you through these hard times. Having shipmates that help you and family members that help you and things like that. And so uh, there's a few people that make it completely on their own, but not very many. So thanks for the opportunity to talk about people stuff. People's what's important in the Coast Guard. Thanks, Master Chief. Thank you, Emma. Thank you, Chief. No, thank you. Um, Master Chief, so you want to give the audience a little idea of what our next episode is going to be about? So really excited. As the Commandant said in the State of the Coast Guard address, and he continues to say, we are a global Coast Guard. So we're going to bring in uh, Miss Ann Cataldo and her DCOI staff, and we're going to talk about international affairs and the, the growing international mission of the Coast Guard and opportunities for assignment. Maybe some some ideas of way, ways you might serve in an international capacity, and uh, and really promote the Coast Guard missions and keep us relevant in a in a global world. So excited to have DCO DCO International Affairs staff on for the next One uh, MC podcast. Okay, awesome. And if our Coast Guard workforce has any ideas or issues that they'd like McPog to address, um, you can email me, Chief Neen, at McPog.pao at gmail.com. So thanks for joining us. All right. Great job.